You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look at the phlegmatic blends today. The phlegmatic blends. And um, this one, this is one that hits home with me because I am a phlegmatic blend. I'm a sanguine phlegmatic primarily. And, uh, and I believe if there's a percentage, you know, every one of these blends, I just want to remind you, are based on a 60-40 blend of just phlegmatic. We're going to start with phlegmatic sanguine. Just 60% phlegmatic or uh, phlegmatic, 40% sanguine. Um, but remember that you may be a phlegmatic sanguine, and that may not be your blend. You may be 70% phlegmatic, 20% uh, sanguine, 10% melancholy, or, or whatever. So that's why you can relate in some ways to some of these, but maybe not all. But, that's, but it's just a 60-40 ratio just to kind of make it, uh, you know, just uh, to, to find a number to, to be able to approach it. And I start with Timothy because I believe Timothy had a phlegmatic uh, side of him, as we'll see. And one of the things that God encouraged him on was in, and this, this could go for uh, melancholies as well, but First uh, Timothy, or all of us for that matter, but Second Timothy, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, so he's not given us the spirit of fear, and that fear there is it's cowardice. It's, it speaks of timidity, uh, that fear. And we see some, some of the, we'll see some of those associated with some of the phlegmatic blends. Uh, and I think, again, using Timothy, I believe uh, we'll, we'll close out and see. And by the way, uh, I got called out on this. And, you know, I don't mind getting called out because I, I don't mind owning up to things. Uh, but you'll find me, sometimes I'll give my opinion on a certain Bible character and their blend. But then a lot of times what will get into my notes is somebody else's opinion on a certain Bible character. And so somebody said, you said this guy was this. And then just today you said it was that. And they were similar, but a lot of times that's why that happens because I'm sharing my opinion along with the opinion of others. And sometimes I forget which one I shared and so forth. But anyway, the phlegmatic sanguine. Okay, the easiest of the 12 temperament blends to get along with over the long haul are phlegmatic sanguines. And remember, that's one of the things about phlegmatics is they're generally very easy to get along with. Uh, most everybody loves phlegmatics. If you're married to them or if they work for you, sometimes they can wear on you a little bit. They, uh, but just as a general sense, uh, phlegmatic is the type of personality to where just like, how could you not like uh, that phlegmatic person? Uh, but we'll see how in just a little bit. Uh, but the easiest of the 12 temperaments is the phlegmatic sanguine, which is the flip side of my temperament. But I think there's times that I could be this. Uh, they are congenial. They're happy, cooperative, thoughtful people. Or I'm sorry, thoughtful, people-oriented, very diplomatic, dependable, fun-loving, and humorous. They never display an abrasive personality and are neighborhood favorites with adults and children. Remember, one of the things, I'll just say a couple things. Uh, well, what, what, do you, what do you think of when you think of phlegmatic? Let's just start there. You, uh, phlegmatic. What do you think of phlegmatic? Laid back. Very good. That's one of the main ways to describe them. 
lazy. I knew it. I knew there was going to be a cleric out there somewhere uh, that would have that. Uh, but that's but 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 it's it's true. It really is, and uh, uh, that's true. It's a laid back, lazy. Um, what's another thing about uh, phlegmatics? Why are the, why do, why do people what makes people like them? I guess I just read a couple of them, but. From your perspective, what would make a phlegmatic a likable person? They're not aggressive. They're a faithful friend. Yeah, they're they're a faithful friend. Uh, they don't meet strangers. They 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 like people, and that's especially on the sanguine phlegmatic side of things, or the phlegmatic sanguine, because phlegmatic is an introvert. But again, to to DJ's point, they love pretty much everybody they meet. They like people. They like you. Uh, and that makes them pretty likable. Uh, they, they like you. Um, what else can you think of? Uh, oh, here's, here's another one. And this is, this is funny because this, I think this is mostly phlegmatic. Uh, there may be some sanguine sides of this too, but diplomatic. Uh, yeah, th that's the, a lot of times, and I think of Barnabas in this, this case, but uh, the phlegmatic personality is diplomatic. In other words, they, they do not like confrontation. They do not like controversy. They don't like people arguing. Uh, and so uh, the phlegmatic is the person that will chime in and try to, uh, try to bring peace. They're peacemakers. They want to they, they try to they, they want to get people on common ground. Uh, and they want to get themselves on common ground with somebody else as well. So they're very diplomatic. Uh, I'll just, I'll just give you this. I don't, I don't know why that sometimes in this study, this is the very next paragraph, and it seems like it would fit better later, but I'll just go with it this morning. Rarely do they take up career in sales, although they could do it well if high-pressure selling were not required. Many go into education or do well in administration, accounting, mechanics, or engineering. Many are funeral directors, working scientists, statisticians, radio announcers, counselors, visitation ministers, veterinarians, farmers, bricklayers, or construction workers, um, whatever. Uh, they are usually good family members who enjoy a quiet life and love their spouses and children. And again, the quiet life is pretty key for uh, a phlegmatic. Uh, if they are committed Christians with good motivators, they can be, uh, with a good motivation, they can be pastor. They can make good pastors. They probably take an active role in their churches. The weaknesses of phlegmatic sanguines are as gentle as their personality unless you have to live with them all the time. So like if, uh, it, it could be frustrating, I'll just say this because if you're married to a phlegmatic blend period, but phlegmatic sanguine in particular, people can wonder how this wonderful person gets on your nerves. How this wonderful, loving, caring, nice girl, nice guy, I can't believe. So uh, here's what you may be pegged as if you're married to a phlegmatic blend, especially maybe a phlegmatic sanguine, you may be pegged as, I can't believe you're so mean to her or to him. Uh, but what you, what you don't know is you have had to live with this person uh, and have to put up with this stuff all the time, and it could drive you crazy. So uh, since they inherited the phlegmatic lack of motivation, and this is what I was telling Melanie this morning about this, but uh, the phlegmatic, they're, they're famous for their lack of motivation, and the sanguine is famous for their lack of discipline. 
And again, this is my blend. My blend's sanguine phlegmatic, but still, just that, that combination, the lack of motivation, the lack of discipline, it's common for these people to fall short of their true capabilities. Uh, and I'll just say again, almost with every sanguine blend, that's almost, no, I'm sorry, with every phlegmatic blend, that's one of the statements that usually comes along with it is that they usually are falling short. They usually don't live up to their potential. Um, they often quit school, pass up good opportunities, and avoid anything that involves too much effort. <laughs> they tend to putter around, enjoying solitude, and don't even seem to mind the years pass them by. And they don't go anywhere or accomplish very much. Again, a phlegmatic sanguine. Since opposites tend to attract each other in marriage, a female phlegmatic sanguine will often marry an aggressive uh, or choleric man who carries her through life. When the man in the marriage is a phlegmatic sanguine, it's a different ball game. A wife finds it difficult to carry her husband vocationally, and his passive ways often become a source of irritation to her. The phlegmatic sanguine's wife buys him every new self-improvement book that hits the market. Finding some way, how can I get this guy motivated? How can I get him going? And I'll just give you a quick hint with any phlegmatic. If you are, if at the heart of what you're trying to do is really to motivate this person, you better lower your voice and change your tone. If you really want to see them change and you really want to see them help, you whip them, they're just going to stand there stronger. They'll take 100 lashes now before they do, it, and it's aggravating. I'm going to yell at them and I'm going to get them straight. Good luck. That doesn't work for a phlegmatic because they're stubborn enough to where they'll actually go the other way. So it could just be so tough uh, trying to patiently and long-suffering uh, way deal with this person and, and wait for them to uh, make the move and, and get some motivation. And especially if you're, if you're a choleric that's married to a phlegmatic, uh, you know, cleric's like, let's get it done, let's go, let's, you know, right now, cleric's active, cleric's moving, phlegmatic's not. And it can be a real, uh, it can be funny at times, but it can be a stressor in the marriage. And again, choleric, you, you know, one of your weaknesses can be you just feel like you can bully and manipulate and make people do whatever you want to do if you say it strong enough or maybe you, you can be clever enough with it. Uh, but if a phlegmatic starts realizing that you're trying to manipulate them again, you'll lose them in a hurry. So you've got to love them and you've got to be patient by the, the, by the grace of God. Uh, but uh, one of the most common questions from wives, Tim LaHaye said at his seminars, is how do I motivate my phlegmatic husband? Because he said, so that was one of the things as he'd go around teaching that he would get the most uh, questions on is from wives, how can I motivate my phlegmatic husband? Fear and worry are additional problems that churn up unrealistic feelings of insecurity. With just a little more faith, they could be transformed from their timidity and self-defeating anxieties. However, they prefer to build a protective shell around themselves and selfishly avoid the kind of involvement or, commit or commitment to activity that would bless them and their families. And again, uh, again, another weakness of phlegmatic is phlegmatic can be selfish. I don't want to do that. I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, but this would be a blessing for your family. This would be beneficial for you. This would be beneficial for your church. Uh, but sometimes it can be hard for phlegmatic to see past themselves. In the scripture, uh, Timothy seems to be a good exam example of a phlegmatic sanguine. He's 
What we learn about him is he's gentle, he's faithful, he's good-natured, he seems to be the favorite spiritual son of the Apostle Paul, he was dependable, he was steady, but he was timid and fearful. He was timid and fearful. Paul had to encourage him, do the work of an evangelist, um, and repeatedly urged him to be more aggressive, um, which is God's, God's challenge to any of the phlegmatic blends, but especially a phlegmatic sanguine, be more aggressive, be more assertive, put yourself out there. So that is the phlegmatic sanguine blend, introvert, extra, primary introvert, secondary extrovert, uh, lovely people, beautiful people, but again, uh, it's tough. And I'll tell you what I've done, and again, I'm phlegmatic sanguine, which is, uh, no, I'm sanguine phlegmatic. Uh, I'm, I, so don't feel bad if you get these mixed up. I do it constantly as far as the names. But, uh, but, you know, that's one of the things that I've done by the grace of God. Again, we're talking about the weaknesses. We're talking about natural tendencies. But remember, the, the, the point of this study is that through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we can overcome these weaknesses and God can help us. And so uh, God's word ought to be the greatest motivator. I'm always uh, trying to find things to, to, to keep me motivated because uh, that phlegmatic sanguine side of me can just, uh, just drift. Uh, that can be a tendency. So I've got to stay motivated. I've got to keep things reminded. I've got to keep goals uh, to, to keep driving toward. Uh, because if I don't, I'm not going to uh, accomplish what I need to accomplish. And as a result of that, I love uh, self-help self, self, self uh, books and things of that nature and, and, and encouraging things. Because for one thing, it's in my nature to encourage and try to motivate people. Uh, but I also do it for my own benefit just to try to help me to stay on course, man. I've, I'm, I've got a calling from God, amen? And I cannot allow uh, the weaknesses of my temperament to rob uh, me or my family or those to whom I try to minister uh, of that which God has for them. But again, that is a, a battle. All right, so the phlegmatic sanguine. Now we'll look at the phlegmatic choleric. Phlegmatic choleric. Uh, the most active of all the phlegmatics are phlegmatic cholerics. Again, because cholerics are active. They're going. They're moving. Uh, they always want to be going and doing. Uh, predominantly phlegmatic, these people will, uh, will still never become balls of fire. Uh, like other phlegmatics, they're easy to get along with and may become excellent group leaders. If properly trained, they make good foremen, executive vice presidents, accountants, and educators, uh, planners, and laborers in almost any area of construction. Phlegmatics are excellent listeners, genuinely interested in other people, and they have the potential to become good counselors. They have the patience of Job and often are able to help those who have, found, have not found relief with other counselors. And so that's just a, a way. So the, the, the gentle spirit, even of a phlegmatic choleric, um, never makes people feel threatened. Which again, when you think of choleric, it's hard to think about a choleric, that, that temperament being tempered. Uh, but phlegmatic does that. It does temper that choleric, aggressive side and, and that people of him. Because again, remember, one of the things that we study about these two, which is a good reminder, is that when you look at two of these temperaments are primarily uh, relational, two, uh, two of them are primarily um, 
goal-oriented or uh, not relational, but what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, task-oriented. You know what I'm saying? So one's relational, one's more about the task. Um, but phlegmatic, phlegmatic and uh, phlegmatic and sanguine are both people-oriented, to where melancholy and choleric can be more task-oriented, if you will. Um, and that, that really reflects itself in relationships, obviously, because if you're not a relational temperament, this is the person that does not, you know, a lot of times choleric and melancholy does not come across caring and loving. Doesn't mean they don't care. It doesn't mean they don't love. But what's first? Getting something done. Getting something accomplished. Um, you know, uh, for, especially for on the choleric side, being you know, more task-driven, and, and the word that I want, I hope eventually comes uh, to me, but uh, you know, uh, if they try to spend quality time with their uh, phlegmatic, melancholy, whatever uh, loved one, it may not be that way because for them, quality time is difficult if there's something that needs to be done or something that hasn't been done yet, for instance. Uh, but again, when they're phlegmatic choleric, Phlegmatic is more people-oriented, more relational than they are, and that's why it can drive a choleric crazy because, for instance, or even a melancholy, because phlegmatics and sanguines are, are content. If there's work to be done, they see a greater work in people. You know, they see a greater work. They're like, you know, well, what's more important? You know, sitting here and visiting with my family and friends or the neighbors or getting this work done. And the cleric, maybe the melancholy is like, getting the work done. Then you can visit all you want to. Uh, but again, that's, that's just not, you know, it's just a different value. But it just shows you, it doesn't mean that they don't care. And, it, and by the way, it doesn't mean that sanguines and phlegmatics don't care about getting the work done. They're going to get it done. But you know when they're going to get it done? Later, <laughs> when they want to. I mean, it's not going anywhere. It'll still be there, you know. So uh, it's just, you know, there's just different ways of uh, looking at it. All right. Um, although phlegmatic clerics rarely offer their services to others, uh, in their own organized offices where they exercise control, they're usually first-rate professionals. Their advice will be practical, helpful, uh, and if they are biblically taught Christians, it will be trustworthy. They can be expected to do the right thing, but rarely go beyond the norm. The weaknesses of phlegmatic cholerics are not readily apparent, but gradually come to the surface, especially in the home. In addition to the lack of motivation and the fear problems of the other phlegmatics, they can be determinedly stubborn and unyielding. Stubborn and unyielding. Now again, phlegmatics are generally stubborn and unyielding, but there's maybe no temperament that's more stubborn and unyielding than the phlegmatic choleric, or the phlegmatic, uh, uh, which, choleric, phlegmatic, whichever way you blend this one, but stubborn, very stubborn, very unyielding. Uh, they don't blow up at others, but simply refuse to give in or to cooperate. Just stubborn. They're not going to give in. They're, if, if it's if, it's, if they don't want to do it, they are not going to do it. And you can forget reasoning with them or whatever. I'm talking about on the weakness side. You can forget trying to bring logic in. Well, don't you think if, forget about it. Uh, the more you try, the worse it seems to get. Um, you just can't do nothing with them. And that's, again, if you are a phlegmatic cleric, don't, remember, we don't want to use any of these things as excuses. All right? 
But what they are is they're, they just help us to recognize our weakness and say, okay, God, go to God and say, Lord, help me with this. I need to be a little bit less stubborn. I mean, there, again, there's, with every, every strength is a weakness. Every weakness is a strength in a sense. Uh, I talk about it with Evan. I believe Evan is phlegmatic choleric. And so I, I tell him all the time, I'm like, I'm glad that you can be so hard-headed and stubborn on certain things. But there's just other times to where you need to be willing to yield. You need to be willing to, uh, you know, to uh, just to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and just get with it. Instead of having to argue and have some kind, and again, not blowing up, not getting mad, nothing like that, but just a, uh, maybe a sarcastic remark, uh, but they're just not going to do it. So on the weakness side, that can, again, be a weakness. Uh, again, they are not fighters or crusaders by nature, but they often let their inner anger and stubbornness reflect itself in silence. Silence. So phlegmatic choleric, and this can happen with some of the other phlegmatic uh, blends as well, but they can just clam up. You talk about the silent treatment. Uh, there was a story, a true story of a man who, uh, who had a, a fast-talking wife, and he said, I finally learned how to handle that woman. And when asked how he uh, handled her, he said, silence. He said, last week I didn't talk to her for five days, and she can't stand it. And, of course, uh, he was warned uh, that... Uh, that he had, that he had uh, just chosen the well-paved boulevard to ulcers because keeping all that stuff inside will make you sick. Uh, now I'm not saying you got to blow up and get it out, but sometimes you might have to confess it and get it out. Yeah, but he said he did not speak to his wife for five days. Uh, silence can be the tool. Uh, and, uh, man, that'd be tough, wouldn't it? Uh, silence. I'm just not going to talk. I'm not going to fight, but I'm not going to talk. This is going to be it's kind of in a passive-aggressive way, right? Uh, you want to fight? Fight on your own, but I'm done. Not talking to you. I mean, uh, not going to do it. Um, so that can be uh, crazy. Phlegmatic clerics often retreat alone to the workshop or the nest or nightly immerse their minds in TV. So again, retreating, going somewhere alone. They, they, they don't want to deal with other people. Uh, again, even though phlegmatics are people-oriented, but sometimes they're more interested in themselves and what they want to do. And uh, yeah, so they're the type of person that can retreat to the, to the man cave, the workshop, uh, the nest, uh, so to speak, uh, nightly immerse their minds in TV. The older they get, the more selfishly they indulge in their sedentary tendency to become increasingly passive. Um, you ever known people that wouldn't like? I, I, I don't. I guess this would maybe be phlegmatic choleric, but I know it'd be a phlegmatic blend. I know people, and I've had friends that like. If you're not playing the game, they they might be active. You know hanging out ch church night you know like a church game night or you just have people over and all of a sudden they're playing games and they're involved all of a sudden you decide to play a game they don't like and they just totally withdraw you know uh i mean i think there is a uh, th there's a probably a choleric side of that but i think there's the phlegmatic side uh blend involved in there too i know people and this blows my mind uh if uh, if the family's going on vacation if they go on vacation to a, a place that person don't want to go, they just won't go. They just will not go. Uh, and there's a, there's, so there's a stubborn 
stubbornness there. Again, cholerics can be stubborn, uh, and, 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 but when it's a, a blend, I believe that there's maybe perhaps things that would contribute themselves to a phlegmatic choleric blend. It could be a choleric phlegmatic. And again, remember, you don't just have to have two of these blends. We, matter of fact, I actually believe that we all have some level of all four, uh, even if it's just the smallest percent possible. Uh, but you can have one predominant and a couple, a couple that are pretty equally secondary. All right. Uh, let's see. Although a choleric or a phlegmatic choleric, although they will probably live long and peaceful lives, they need to give themselves to the concerns and needs of their families and force themselves to become more active. If the male phlegmatic choleric's wife can make an adjustment to his passiveness and reluctance to take the lead in the home, particularly in the discipline of their children, they can enjoy a long and happy marriage. Again, the hard thing about being married to a phlegmatic blend, phlegmatic, choleric, whatever it is, is as a, as a <laughs> if you're going to be married to these people, you've got to learn some patience. You've got to learn some patience because though, I mean, I think about my precious wife, you know, with me having a sanguine phlegmatic blend, uh, she just had to have a lot of patience with me. Now, uh, because here's the thing, you're, you're definitely not going to change their temperament. There's things you are not going to change about them. Uh, but I'll say this, with patience, the thing I've said I don't know how many times is God gave me the perfect woman, I could say period, but he gave the perfect woman for me as well because she has helped me in so many ways through her example and, and, and her patience and influence to where, and just even discussing and talking about things to where I've gotten a lot of help uh, a lot of help. I've, there's a lot of change that's taken place in my life as a phlegmatic uh, that's came through uh, my dear wife. But at the same, but but that's it's that's not to say that she could just uh, choleric bully her way into it or anything. It's just it does not work. She's been gracious and patient, and uh, and the Lord's blessed it. I really believe He has. But you've got to learn uh, a level of patience because especially if a phlegmatic really does love the Lord and is trying to do right, they're going to get it eventually. The thing you've got to accept is they're probably never going to do it exactly the way you'd want them to do it. But they're going to do it. Um, and uh, the main thing is just try to, just like with any marriage, always try to keep the lines of communication open. Uh, always try to keep from being, uh, you know, accusatory and blaming and things like that. Always remember that you have a weakness as well. And, uh, and, and, and together you can work, and, but just communicate uh, and try to be prayerful and mindful about the way you approach your, your husband or wife or your children or whatever it may be when addressing a weakness of theirs. Um, just be prayerful and patient as you do that. All right, no biblical character epitomizes the phlegmatic cleric better than Abraham. In the early days, fear characterized everything he did. When God first called him, he was reluctant to leave the security of the pagan city of Ur. He even denied his wife on two occasions, which blows my mind still to this day. Doesn't that you when you read about Abraham? Uh, I mean, and the way God worked it out, it could almost be easy to read 
and imagine that Abraham had some kind of grandmaster plan in saying that his wife was his sister and letting some other dude take her into his home or into that guy's home like Pharaoh uh, did. Uh, but I personally don't believe that he had a master plan. I believe God had a master plan, and thank God God was looking out for his knuckleheaded self and his weak and scared self. But the, the, the thing about a phlegmatic, and, and I've told you about this side of me, uh, a phlegmatic, almost anything that happens, this, can, this is a strength, but it can be a terrible weakness as well. Almost anything that happens, there's a little phrase that can characterize much of it. Melanie has pegged me on it time and time again, and it's just simply this. It's all good. Oh, well, there she goes. You know, uh, that's fine. I'll get another one. I mean, I mean, I, you know, but you just, you, it's hard to understand the thinking of a phlegmatic, but a phlegmatic can, can be so selfish and so okay with just about anything and everything that happens. Uh, and so that's one of the things where you can just see Abraham being like, well, I sure don't want to die. You know, I, I don't want to, that sounds tough to me. I, I, would just, I don't want that confrontation. Honey, just tell them you're my sister, and if they take you, you know, uh, at least I'll be fine. <laughs> It's terrible. Uh, I'm glad that's not me, amen? Uh, but, but, there's, but there's things I can identify, obviously, with the, with the it's all good thing. But that's what Abraham was able to do. Uh, finally, though, he surrendered completely to God and he grew in his spirit. Accordingly, his greatest weakness became his greatest strength. Instead of being known as fearful Abraham, he became known as faithful Abraham. A man who believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And so, again, that's the great news with all of these. We look at these weaknesses. <laughs> I make fun uh, a little bit, uh, you know, because we, we beat ourselves up. Nobody beats themselves up worse than melancholy. And that leads into our, our next uh, and final blend this morning. Um, but we all beat ourselves up, but we always got to remember that God, I mean, if God could use somebody like Abraham, I mean, so God could use somebody like Abraham, make him the father of the nation, one of the most revered men in history. God can use you. He can use you. He can take your weaknesses and he can turn them around into strengths. And, and I just got to say this, too, that I encourage you to try to look back. And I believe that you can look in your life if you were able to. If you ever just look in your life and get a little bit of perspective, and I bet you could see some ways that God has helped overcome some of your weaknesses through the years. My heart goes out more than anything when we deal with melancholy blends. It really does, and that's what, we're, that's what our next one is, and we're run, quickly running out of time, but uh, because out of all the temperaments, it's, it's so true, someone with the melancholy uh, part of their temperament told me the other day, because I talked about the other Wednesday or whatever, where I was just having a bad day and felt terrible, and didn't feel, you know, whatever, just wasn't feeling it and all this and that and uh, down on myself and down on the world and down on everything. And they said to me, yeah, but you're a sanguine phlegmatic. You'll be over it by tomorrow. And there's truth to that, right? Uh, but, it isn't that, but that's the typical melancholy attitude because nobody has it worse than them. And nobody's as bad as them. And it's so heartbreaking to me because people I love so much, friends, family, uh, moms. You know, I think of moms. Every time Mother's Day rolls around, I, I'll try to say something about it. But, you know, that, that melancholy mom, she's a great mom. But she don't see it. She, and, and it's almost like she refuses 
to give herself any credit. And even the sad thing is, is you can be reluctant to even give God credit because even though you're giving God credit for how he's worked in you and helped you to be a good mother, that sounds like bragging to you. So it's even hard to give God credit. You know why? Because you're not the perfect mother. Or you're not the perfect Christian. And that bugs all of us. But man, melancholy can struggle with that. But I encourage you to look back and see what the Lord's done. Because, uh, by the way, did you know this? We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have any uh, prophetic books in the Bible if it wasn't for melancholy people. We wouldn't hardly have any books at all. We wouldn't hardly have any music. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't hardly have any of those things if it wasn't for people that had a melancholy blend to their temperament. We wouldn't have any art uh, hardly to speak of. And so uh, I encourage you to please, I'm not trying to get you to give yourself credit, but I'm trying to get you to give God some credit for how he, okay, yeah, you're a mess, fine. But will you admit that you'd be a worse mess if it wasn't for God? No, you're not a perfect mother, but wouldn't you be a lot worse off if the Lord hadn't helped you and you hadn't been faithful to try to teach them and instruct them? Well, I went too far here and I didn't go far enough there. Okay, fine. Number one, get over the past. You know, or, I mean, and I know that's easy to say. I shouldn't just say it so flippantly. But by God's grace, I encourage you to try to move on. Look at the past. See what God's done. Look at the future. Okay, I've, I've said all that without even mentioning the blend, but I'll mention a few things here about the phlegmatic melancholy blend. Out of all the temperament blends, phlegmatic melancholies are the most gracious, the most gentle, and quiet. Phlegmatic melancholies are rarely angry or hostile and almost never say anything for which they must apologize. Mainly because they rarely say a lot. They never embarrass themselves or others. They always do the proper thing, dress simply, and are dependable and exact. They tend to have the gift of mercy and help. They respond to the needs of others. If they let themselves move out into the stream of life and work with uh, people where they are, they uh, care and they show mercy and grace and uh, tenderness to people around them. Uh, phlegmatic melancholies are neat and organized in their working habits. Uh, I just got to pause right there to say this about the melancholy blends. One of the funny things is, is that most, so many melancholies wish they could be less melancholy and be another temperament, but there's so many of the other temperaments that envy so much about melancholies. And again, it's just the grass is greener on the other side situation, but uh, because you read about this, the, the phlegmatic melancholy, uh, they do well in photography, printing, inventory, analysis, uh, advertising, education, pharmacy, dentistry, uh, any, anything that's uh, uh, something where they can work slowly at. Because a phlegmatic melancholy, melancholy phlegmatic, they do not think they're slow or working slow, but they are. And they like slower paced things better. But you put them on something, they can work at it all day long, you know. Uh, I mean, uh, very, very patient, very uh, just they can absorb themselves into tedious uh, work sometimes. As phlegmatics, they are handy around the house as energy permits, and they keep their homes in good repair. As for weakness, phlegmatic melancholy father may neglect the discipline, the discipline necessary to help prepare his children for a productive, self-disciplined life. 
Although seldom acknowledged, a passive father who lets his children grow up sassing and disobeying him and their mother is just as guilty of provoking their children to wrath uh, as the tyrant whose unreasonable discipline makes them bitter. And uh, so this is obviously not a very, dis wouldn't be a disciplinary type temperament oftentimes. If the phlegmatic melancholy husband has a wife who recognizes his tendencies towards passivity, but tactfully waits for him to take the lead in their home, they will have a good family, life, and marriage. Other weaknesses of phlegmatic melancholy person revolve around fear, selfishness, uh, negativism, criticism, and a lack of self-image. Um, and so, LaHaye talks about a, a, a young man that was a, a, a painter. And uh, his wife had been talking to him about his reluctance to take advantage of a tremendous business opportunity. But what happened is, is that he, although he was qualified and dedicated, he sold himself short. So a phlegmatic melancholy, as much as... That's the tendency there because the phlegmatic side is they can lack motivation. And then on the, the melancholy side, that their doubts of accomplishment or doubts in being able to do things perfectly can bring them into a place uh, to where uh, they sell themselves short, sell themselves very short. Um, all right, and, and I, again, so most phlegmatic melancholies have an obsession against involvement. They are so afraid of overextending themselves or getting over-involved that they automatically refuse any kind of affiliation. Um, <laughs> and there's not too many phlegmatic melancholies that do get over-involved, but some do. But they generally try to keep away from that. Um, since they are uh, internally motivated, or not internally motivated, they need to accept more responsibility than they think they can fulfill. That external stimulation will motivate them to greater achievement. All phlegmatics work well under pressure, but it must come from the outside. Um, and I can think about phlegmatic melancholies that I know. I can even think about the phlegmatic side of myself, but the phlegmatic melancholies that I know that have done just that. They may have a reluctance to take on more, but if they take on more, get themselves under pressure, they'll probably get a lot accomplished. Because one thing that a phlegmatic does want to do in a general sense is please others. They want others to be pleased. They want others to be happy. Uh, but they have to have that pressure from the outside. I mean, uh, as far as the motivation from the outside because they struggle by, from getting it on the inside. These individuals should give special thought to keeping their bodies toned up, which can give them a whole new lease on life. Their greatest source of motivation, of course, will be the power of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas, the godly saint of the first century church who accompanied Paul on his first missionary journey, was in all prob probability a phlegmatic melancholy. He was the man who gave half of his goods to the early church to feed the poor, which is a very melancholy thing to do. The man who contented, uh, contended with Paul over providing John Mark, his nephew, with another chance to serve God by accompanying them on the second missionary journey. Uh, and if you remember, Barnabas and Paul had such a contention over John Mark that they went separate ways and they divided in their ministry. Paul later commended Mark, saying he's useful for the ministry. 
And today we have the Gospel of Mark because of a gentle Barnabas who was willing to help Mark uh, over a hard place in his life because of his care, understanding, and patience. He was willing to work with Mark. Uh, but Paul's choleric side is like, nope. <laughs> he had his chance. He's lazy. He's good for nothing. He went home to mama. I'm not going to get burned again. But, uh, but that, so Barnabas is a good example of the phlegmatic melancholy. All right, any thoughts on the phlegmatic blends this morning?